Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. Or I guess I should call this like a, a virtual overlap um, episode. And by virtual, I mean like we're obviously not together in person, even though our backgrounds look eerily similar. Um, I'm traveling, Rian has been traveling. So recording and getting together and everything has been a little difficult. But nonetheless, here we are, and we appreciate you listening as always. So welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Rian, where in the world did you travel? Um, I was... On the West Coast, I was in um, Utah. Oh, yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Utah for a few days, and then and then uh, LA for five five days. Yeah, beautiful, uh, beautiful. Oh, that's not. I don't know. I think it was six days. Yeah, nice. The the one thing that so I'm in Denver right now, but the one thing people don't, I don't know if you felt this like on the way back or even going to the West Coast, like the time change kind of does mess me up. Even if it is only two hours or let's say three hours, like it still kind of does mess me, mess me up. Because like if I go to bed normally at like 11 p.m., like that's 8 p.m. on the West Coast and I'm like tired. Um, so that's the one lesson I've learned. I, I, I always probably like it depends on the time of day that I fly in. True. That's really true. Like, yeah. I've um, – I think the worst I've ever felt jet lag was – well, when I went to London like five, six years ago, I think we probably left like I want to say maybe like morning time or something like that, right? But uh, morning, morning like hour time, and then yeah, got there and it was like <laughs> you're like, oh my god, I want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was, I was absolutely like conked for like, a, <laughs> a day and a half, um, yeah. but when I went to uh, Europe at the beginning of this summer. I, I did not do this on purpose. I was just coming, just the nature of you know my f- flights before I was coming from Costa Rica. So I came. So I, like, my flight to Europe was at like midnight, New York time. So then Dad. I got there. Oh. Then <laughs> it's I got like four p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got there like you know early afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it just felt it, 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 and I didn't feel bad. Like I didn't really yeah. feel jet lagged at all because. I got on the plane and it was super late and I was really sleepy. And then by the time I, my trip was finished, like it was afternoon. So it felt like a, it just felt like I kind of slept in. I guess yeah. that's a better way of putting it. So, um, yeah, I, I do feel the jet lag. Like if it just, it just totally depends on the time of day. Yeah. That's a good point. I actually, it's funny you say that about the morning stuff. Cause I love the like 8 a.m leave here and then get there at like 8 9 p.m because then yeah, i can go like immediately to bed almost but <laughs> if i do it the way you do it i'm so screwed up because it feels like i get there in the afternoon i hate sleeping in so i'm like mm, 3 p.m uh, it feel it should be 10 a.m it's it, yeah <laughs> I, i'm literally the, the polar opposite of what you're explaining <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna be back from my travels next week we got we got a host of games actually coming up this weekend between we have City Arsenal, um, we have, uh, gosh, we have another big game in Spain. We have uh, Real Sociedad play Atletico uh, around the same time that the City Arsenal game's on. So I will be dual screening uh, my weekend while I'm preparing to go to actually the Eagles game this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. So anyway, um, Rian, let's get into it because we haven't got a chance to record and, and chat in, I want to say, a week and a half, almost two weeks at this point. Um we got to start off with probably the, the biggest controversy right now. Um, we'll get into stuff in previous match days and, and weeks, but 
I got a chance to listen to the Spurs Liverpool audio of the VAR decision, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> I'm starting on this point because I feel like it's like the most obvious, but like, and we'll get into the rest of the game. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you could you could hear like people's jobs being lost in the span of 20 <laughs> seconds. You could see it. You could oh, the oh shit. The oh fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, you could you could just see and I, I almost felt bad. Um I just wanted to get your take on that before we talk about the game because I don't want the the VAR stuff to to kind of mask the analysis of the game. Uh and I'll just I'll just say this. People I think are using this incident to talk about how shit VAR has been over the course of X period of years that we've had it now. Um, I actually think it's the complete opposite. I, 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 and again, I'm really curious to hear your opinion because I know we differ on this. Like, I think this actually reinforced the idea that you do need VAR because it was actually used perfectly. Like the system was used perfectly. It was used in the sense that the offside was not called on like on the field. It was ruled a goal. And then People didn't know how to draw 2D lines, and then it was ruled as offside because there was a massive miscommunication. But the technology and everything was perfect. It was just one isolated incident of really, really poor referee management in what I think is starting to become a pressurized environment for referees in, the, in terms of like the time to get to a decision around VAR. Um, so the system worked. Let me just clarify that. But I want to get your thoughts on that decision, and then I want to talk about Spurs um, and certainly Liverpool as, as two teams and their performances. Uh, yes, you know I, I really loathe talking about refereeing decisions. <laughs> I, like, I so know, much. I know. But, but I know. no, no, I mean, we, no, no, the, you know how much I loathe it. But um, you're right. Like, the, the actual – the decision was correct. The system, like, the process of making a decision is what's – wrong and it's and it's the one that's like something that i've been at the i've like thought about like maybe that's the reason why it's why it seems so poor in the yeah at least as someone who watches a lot uh, mostly the premier league games right like mostly england like i can't quite say what it's like in other leagues um like a few times that i've watched a few times that i've seen like vr decisions come up in like germany mm-hmm. it, it's usually very quick there like i i i don't and i don't even usually feel like i see the lines drawn very much even when they're called or whatever but um so i don't know if this is like all just england or whatever whatever right but yeah it just it just kind of like goes more to their actual process of how they come to decisions yeah (laughs) like the decision was correct but you know because there is this arbitrary rule that once play is restarted, you can't stop. You can't come back. You can't stop it. Like for that was the, yeah, that was the part that was like like, all common sense went out the window. Yeah. I mean, you listen to the video, everyone's in agreement that was onside. Uh, This one should be overturned, but I guess we can't do anything about it now. <laughs> you know, like that, like it, it's, and I'm with you. I feel bad for them because, yeah, you know, they're just following the rules. You know, there's maybe there's another train of thought that's like, if it's that wrong, then you should feel empowered to say, to like break the rules <laughs> in a way, right? But, but I mean, the ultimate thing is like, if, if your rules and like procedures get you to that 
to a situation like that, then there's something terribly wrong with how you come to decisions. Like it just says something terribly wrong. And um, 100%. and it's interesting. I, I was talking to actually one of my coworkers today about, about it. Um, and you know, he, he was saying he like listened to the audio and, and he like pointed out something too. It was like, if you hear it, hear it when they say, when they realize that, um, or when they kind of do the lines and, and figure out that it's on side, it's like, someone says, oh, perfect. Yes. And he, and yeah, he brought something. I was like, that is probably a big reason why they had to be communication too. Cause he says mm -hmm. perfect. And someone thinks that, oh, perfect. The offside, the offside call was, was, was correct. Or, but he means perfect as in the way they drew it and, and the know, actual on-field decision. Yeah. No, the, oh, the, the VR decision was, it was correct. Yeah. What he was sorry to yeah, say, so, you know, that's like another small thing in terms of like communication, like how they actually communicate the decisions and stuff. So it's just, it's just very disappointing that the process, we're three years in, more than three years into it now, right? I think this yeah. is the fourth season, I want to say, that, that at least in England they've had VAR. Um, yeah. And their processes have, have, have not improved at all in terms of how they make decisions. Like that's baffling to me yeah I, I, just, I don't know what what they're doing at the end of seasons <laughs> like <laughs> like are they reviewing how they how they did any of their var decisions at the end of these seasons like that's yeah that's kind of it's just malpractice honestly yeah, yeah you would look you would hope but i i and i have to assume that they are um it's funny i'll i'll leave this thought and we can move on to other things um there's part of my head like it's the acronym is pmgol i believe correct and I, I had a thought to myself today. I was like, how many people watching the audio, listening to it, or watching the game actually know what that acronym stands for, what that group does? I had, myself had to look up who exactly is a part of that group today. Um, but I think we're also somewhat in a world of, of football where people do want to find like uh, someone to blame you know, when, when something goes wrong and that, I don't know if that's maybe always existed or it's gotten worse in recent years because of social media. But like, I think, I think that adds to, to the exacerbation of how we feel mm -hmm. about the, almost the negativeness of, of VAR or the perception that it has not gotten better, um, whether it has or has not. So anyway, we'll leave yeah. the VAR stuff to aside. Let's talk about the team themselves. Spurs are, are playing pretty well. Um, they're playing kind of this beautiful, progressive, flowing football. Um, and look, did they get a late win on what can only be described as a worldly? By the way, that own goal was actually a world class. Like it's, it's so cruel. <laughs> it's of course it is. Of course it's so cruel. And I actually looked up the, uh, the Liverpool's versions of the highlights they released, and they titled it like nine man Liverpool lose to late own goal. And I was like, that's not biased at all, but <laughs> or a leading statement, but I mean, know, that is what happened though, right? It is. It is what happened, <laughs> but like perception is reality as well. So with that being said, Rian, I want, I want to talk about Spurs. Um, what did you make of them in this game? And I want to actually should focus a little bit to Liverpool as well, outside of just all the, the ref stuff too, because I have some general commentary beyond your, Darwin Nunez hype. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think from the Spurs side, I've already said this before. There's just so much more fun this season to watch, right? Like very entertaining side. Um, really, really fun stuff in possession, right? Uh, and at the same time, you know, they're 
they can be pretty open in terms of um I guess on the defensive side of it all right like and i think that you'd even say that when when liverpool went down to 9 it actually like Spurs didn't create much after that, right? They, you know, they get the own goal at the end. You know, it's a great late win for them. But um, they didn't really create much after Liverpool went down to nine. And it, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to take away like the, the refereeing parts of the game that just changed how the whole game flowed. Right. Cause that Diaz goal, happens and I think that would have been the first goal of the game right and and that was yes after I think that was after Liverpool went down to 10 already actually mm-hmm. but um but playing with a lead there obviously very different than <laughs> them having to kind of claw back while down a man right so um I, I think really good stuff really really good stuff for for Spurs like so far in the season I think that I think that North London Derby game is is a bit more of an indicator of, of how much they have improved this season compared to the last couple, or at least again, in terms of like what they do with the ball. Right. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about them. I, I'm still pretty hesitant to say that this is like a top four, top five team. Um, again, just, you know, I'm thinking about both sides of the ball. Like what they do, what they do without it, you know, like, like they're, I think they're still pretty middling in that sense. Um, and look, the underlying numbers will tell you the same. They're, they're somewhere around like 10th in terms of expected goals allowed. Um, so I think lots of room for improvement, but I think no matter what, you're getting a very entertaining Spurs this season and they're going to be much more difficult to play against. The, with the big side with against the other like big teams then I think they have been in the last couple of years where it's pretty predictable and pretty you know even though they would you know, have their usual man city wins <laughs> like beating man city right but like yeah um I do think they're gonna be like a just a, a better a better team the way they play the better team and also they've you know, they've changed the team a little bit too right for um, sure so yeah I think I think all I think mostly positives with Mostly Spurs. positives. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think the thing that, or, or the player um, within Spurs that has kind of impressed, I don't want to even say impressed me the most, but at least has been somewhat like um, revi- revitalized um, is probably Basuma, right? Like, I feel like in the last, what, three weeks, we've seen him way more involved we have seen him become somewhat more of a linchpin for this this team, I believe. Um, unless there's a different midfielder that I'm forgetting because this team is, feels like brand new. Um, but I believe it's Basuma. So anyway, point being, um, I've been pretty impressed with how he's sort of led at least the possession aspect of, of Spurs' midfield in the last couple of games. And I, I think that someone showed in the last... Um, uh, against Liverpool, but more so even before that that game. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that. And then on Liverpool, Rian, look, they lost, fair, right? But they were playing with basically their hands tied behind their back and their mouth taped up. Like it's pretty hard to win in that scenario. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out something that you very well might disagree with me on, but I actually don't think you will. My having watched Liverpool over the last three weeks, especially, I'm starting to become a little bit more convinced that they are actually one of the potential favorites to win the title. And I know that might seem a little outlandish, just well, given where they are in the table and how they've generally just it matter. yeah. But- that, defended, that, but that star, that that star that still exists, that's yeah. still like hovering over the planet. <laughs> yeah, the reason the reason I say that though is because the shot creating actions that Liverpool are actually streaming together are extremely high quality. It's just that they have been so unlucky in a lot of different situations. Like, like take the Spurs game aside, you are talking about just wild wild happenings in the sport that sometimes I cannot explain. Um, now they've had a little bit of luck as well go their way. Um, I can think of absolutely two screamers that kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> of course the season so far for them, but Liverpool have slowly kind of been the team that have started to impress me the most over the last three weeks. Am I crazy or am I crazy? <laughs> no, you're, I don't think you're crazy. Like this, the amount of like attacking talent is just ridiculous with them right now. I mean, you you said it yourself. You think that they're the the best attacking team in the country or in the league, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they've got the best. Yeah. I think they've got the best set of attacking unit, if you want to call it that like best set of attackers. um, When you look at just the amount of guys that can come on and change the game for them. Um, I, I, I do think that that. I do think they have enough firepower to you know to uh i i hate i'm not gonna i i can't i can't say that they're gonna like win the title i i can't say that right now um maybe maybe no like one, no one can maybe say like a month and a half maybe like maybe two more months and we can <laughs> we can have that conversation but um i i do think along with arsenal they are the they are the most likely to challenge city um and we've said it before i think that I think Arsenal are more balanced, but I think that that Liverpool's their chance creation, like their ability to just create chances out of almost nothing, and just because their players are so extremely talented going forward, that will always give them an advantage, even in games where they are down a man, as we saw against Newcastle, right? Yeah. Um, and you have to think about like they've they've had two games where they played like 60 to 70 minutes of it down a player down at least one player right when you think about that newcastle and spurs game so yeah in a perfect world like if this all evens out a little bit they, and, and you know that doesn't happen again for this season where they have someone sent off after 30 minutes um <laughs> Keyword but, perfect, but yeah yeah you know if they're at 11 v 11 you probably you probably tip them to, to to keep winning games. I mean, like no. all this said, they are still they still have only lost one game, and this that was still their first loss of the season. Yeah. Um, they are second with Arsenal in terms of expected goals created. Uh, they're a little further down with expected goals allowed, but again, um, still in that kind of like top six area. And we're already, like I said, playing down a man for. A, like 20% of their season so far, maybe <laughs> like this yeah. is a big contributing factor there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with that. I, I think that they are 
I think they should be they should finish at worst third this season. And I think that if if we see maybe in, like maybe a couple injuries from key city players, uh, if Rodri were to be out even longer than the than the three games that he'll be that he's out or than the uh I guess he's got two more left, but if Roddy were to go down with an injury, that would be that could be a big opening. Um, but they'll need some luck. Like, oh yeah, whoever's, every, every, yeah, whoever's yeah, gonna yeah. whoever's gonna whoever thinks that they could beat City needs to realize they're, they're gonna need a lot of luck for that. That's that's any team. Um, but I will say this, and this is a good transition to previewing City Arsenal. City are coming off two losses um, heading into this game against Arsenal. I'm just going to read out to you their fixture list between now and December um, in this order and only the league, by the way, Arsenal, Brighton, United, Bournemouth, so uh, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Aston Villa. Now, I know what you're going to say about United and um, whatever team you support at this point, because I, I don't actually recognize anybody on it. But that aside, that is a very hard schedule. Um, so just keep that in mind. And then beyond that, it gets much easier. I'm sure <laughs> going to the other flip side no, of the year. Good, that's a, that's a good point. As we, as we jump into this conversation, like we, we've already talked about it. Like the, the actual stretches that some teams have, like, because it does feel like the, the league's a bit more top heavy, top half heavy, at least this season, um, the stretches of games if you get like a five six run against the team that finished in like the top eight last season oh yeah it, it's that that could be like kind of make or break for your season mm-hmm. potentially um Not potentially for, likely. yeah yeah it's likely to have such a big impact on your on on uh how you finish the season even Agreed. so um like you said look, looking ahead to that you said it no Rodri for city yep they lost to wolves they looked a, a bit um, – they looked like a, a very different team without Rodri in it, to put it that way, right? There was a bit more space to, on the transitions. Like, just looking at um, both of Wolves' goals, Wolves' goals, like they were transition moments, right? And City don't give up a lot of those, um, at, at least traditionally when Rodri's in there. So they've got – it's only two more games without him, right? But this Arsenal game is obviously going to, he'll be a big miss for that. And they probably will feel, you know, it's a, a little bit more of an even playing field if, if Saka is injured and not able to play as well. Um, but I think kind of the question here, oh, it's hard now if Saka's out because it, it, it won't really tell us a true story. But yeah, um, the thing that I was looking at going into this game was does this, whether Arsenal tries to play City differently or not, um, kind of does the pattern of this of this game play out any differently than the two that we watched last season, where obviously Kevin De Bruyne was involved in both of them, so that's going to be going to change the dynamics in some way. But <clears throat> it was very direct attacks that that undid Arsenal last season against City. And, and that was kind of a theme of the second half of the season for Arsenal in general. But that is where City kind of really ate their lunch, for lack of a better term. Like, so yeah. it's, it's interesting to see if that if that is the 
mode of attack for City again without Kevin De Bruyne at this time. Um, and how and if that is the way, like, does Arsenal is Arsenal ready for that? I guess. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I'll say in response to that is why do you think Arteta spent 100 million euros on Declan Rice? Like, like that, I, that I, is a I, big I, part I of that. I don't know if that change. I, I don't think that he factors into that quite as much when think like I'm being hyperbolic, but you get the idea though, right? Yeah. Like the, the, on the transition sense, of course, mm-hmm. but, but I thought the issue was more last season that they just couldn't deal with like the longer balls that city played against them. And, and I don't know how much Declan Rice helps with that, but I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. No, it's, it, I think both of our points are probably pretty valid in this case. I think where I, I, I less so worry about kind of one-on-ones on Ben White's side of, of the ball. Um, it's, it's the other side that makes me a little bit nervous for Arsenal going into this game. I don't, I kind of, I shouldn't say I don't, I actually do expect City to play pretty similarly to the way that they did against Arsenal last year, because to your point, right, to your credit, like what you're saying in terms of long balls over the top into half spaces or wide areas is effectively like still a weakness of Arsenal's. Like I, I would argue that it got slightly better with the signing of Declan Rice because he is better in preventing transitions in general, but that's not his space to cover. Now we've seen some variety of like a box midfield at times, like a double pivot ish at like for brief moments of the game. Um, whatever Jorginho has done has not really worked all too well in that context. But point being, I do agree it's actually still a concern for Arsenal this weekend. And I think it's more of a concern when Saka's out because you don't, if you recover the ball, let's say, in those wide areas, have an outlet. You don't have an immediate outlet. I mean, you, okay, you do in terms of Trossard or someone else will take that position, but they're not Bukayo Saka. Um, and I should preface this saying, like, I'm assuming he is not playing this weekend considering he has, like, a hamstring-esque type muscle strain. Um, so... Just that, that that could change by the time you listen to this, but likely he won't play this weekend. Yeah, it, it, it's it's also very upsetting to see that he's going to be out and uh, kind of just like, why the hell has he been playing almost every minute of this season? Why the hell is he, he has? Like, why the hell is he playing in the League Cup games? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what what is going on? Why did he play in the first? Like, even why did he play in the first Champions League game against PSV? Like, they would have. But what you know, everything's twenty twenty, of course. But he he hasn't had breaks very much at all in the last two, couple seasons. No, um, so th- that's unfortunate that he was not managed better. Um, and Arsenal don't really have a don't really have a right winger to, to, to no. take up that position. So um, it's going to be a really tough one. I guess question for you: Do you think? Um, do you think we see Havertz start this game, brother? Please. Uh, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. He, yeah, yeah. Like whether whether he's in midfield or maybe he cosplays right wing, but like, <laughs> that that might actually be the worst position for him because uh, I know we've talked about different positions for Kai Havertz. Um, do we? Do I think we see him start? I, I'm going to go with no. Um, I do think we'll likely see Trossard instead. Um, just on the wrong side, I guess. Like, I, 
Because fundamentally, what is your goal of starting Kai Havertz as a right winger? And if you don't start him as a right winger and you start him centrally, who are you replacing? Like, it doesn't make sense. The reason to me that Trussard might make more sense is he stretches the field more than Kai Havertz does. Kai Havertz is effectively a central player. He's not a wide player. And you, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. So you need to stretch the field and you need to make it wider against City to find underlapping like spaces. That's what Arsenal does really well. And that's what Odegaard does really well. And if you don't do that, are you just going to wait for City to continually play balls over the top? Because then we're going to see a horrible scoreline on Sunday and I'm going to probably switch over the game to Atletico Real Sociedad. So that's, that's yeah, I, I don't expect that. I think he will start because they're oh, going to no. be without Martinelli too. So like, what are they? I know. Reece, I mean, maybe Reese Nelson starts on, on, on Saka's side. <laughs> like, like, the options are not great. Um, and yeah, I mean, like the choices in midfield too are going to be, I, I don't know if Partey is still injured or not, but um no, oh, I don't know either, actually. The choices in midfield will be pretty much outside. I mean, because we know Odegaard and Rice will start, of course. But the choices outside of that will be Vieira and Havertz, if if Partey is not available. So, I don't know. We Havertz started today in the Champions League um, in Arsenal's uh, 2-1 loss to, to Lons. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to say pr- if he starts, it'll probably be at one of the forward positions. I, I agree with you. I don't think he would start in center midfield. That's, but that's my thing, right? It's like, where do you, you – like, you can yeah. say he might, but – yeah. okay, to me it doesn't make sense. But I, I also don't have a professional coaching license, and I'm not Mikel Arteta. So that's – take that with a grain of salt. Um, I just want to ask real quickly before we move on, who do you actually think comes out on top in this weekend? Um, see, I think this one is at the Emirates. Like, I, I believe it's at Arsenal. I believe it is. Um, yeah. man, I I think that City edge it. Um, yeah, I think City edge it. I don't I think I don't think this will be. I it looks similar to their Community Shield match, where yeah, you know, it was just two teams who played the exact same way and which is like pretty slow and uh, <laughs> a lot about recycling the ball and not allowing the other, the other team to transition. Um, I don't think it's going to be a particularly entertaining game, but I hope I'm wrong. So I, I likewise, uh, I'm going to go two one to city. I do think it will be somewhat close with the potential exception of if Arsenal just get real exhausted in transition um, that I, I do think that could be dangerous. For them, I really do, um, and I do think they find a way to score against City, especially without Rodri. So uh, let's not like make Arsenal out to be these minnows that don't know how to properly play a game. Like, come on. So anyway, all right, we'll move on. Rian, um, what the hell has happened to Brighton? What, like, genuinely, <laughs> in in the span of two games, they've gone from losing six one to uh, Aston Villa, and then they lost to Chelsea in. Um, on the Leeds Cup, and now they have, I believe, a Europa League game coming up at the least time recording on Thursday of this week against Marseille, who, by my understanding, are playing pretty well in Liga. Um, uh, but that 
Mm-mm. Am I, I incorrect? No, they're not. Yeah, okay. No, they're not. All right. They're, no, they lost their last two games. I lied. Yeah, right? their, coach, I, their coach left, resigned after yeah. like four games, five games or something like yes. that. Yes. Oh my God, you're so right. Now they've, so got, right. Now they've got Catuso as the coach. Did they actually? I I, I really don't keep up with Ligon as much. Oh, um, no, they're 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 a shit show themselves. Lovely. But but Brian did lose their first Europe League game. Um. So they're in a tough, a bit of a tough run. I think they, I think they've lost three of their last four, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first off, let's give the flowers to to Villa because they were fantastic in the first half. They outshot. Good evening. <laughs> they 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 outshot Brighton fourteen to two in that first half, and they were up three nil um, by halftime. So really, I mean, the pressing was really good. They really did not allow Brighton to to do anything through the middle, and we know that 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 Brian loved to this crowd the middle of the pitch and kind of draw teams in, and and also use that as a way to find their wide men like Matoma. But uh, Villa were really good, and uh, so give them a lot of credit there. On the the Brighton side, you know, it's a bit a bit like Spurs in the sense of you know, very very good going forward, like. I mean, Brian create chances like like just so easily. Like their their build up play is so good, um, but they can be pretty open defensively too. And I think as the season goes on, uh, and I think you know, I'll probably when, when we have our international break episode, I'll, I'll try to come at this with a bit more like numbers behind it, but. They're gonna. I think as the season goes on, their their loss of guys like Caicedo and McAllister in midfield, it's gonna show more and more. Like like those were two fantastic players in terms of pressing and um kind of like keeping control of the midfield from a defensive point of view. So so I I, I mean I just I I love Billy Gilmore. Like like he was. I'm sad that he left Chelsea as in the circumstances that he did as quickly as he did. He's a fantastic passer, the ball. He's extremely limited defensively, extremely limited in transitions. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if Brian have um, fully dealt with like a defensive loss of Caicedo and McAllister. So we'll, we'll see. Well, I, I think that's something they keep looking at for them. Um, but again, they create chances, like like I said, effortlessly. I do think it's interesting that um, you make a really good point. We really haven't talked about the losses of Caicedo and McAllister all that much. I think we've talked about them as additions to their new teams. But because Brighton have played and performed so well, both in terms of results and in terms of statistics, it kind of got <laughs> brushed under the rug. But it's not necessarily sustainable when you lose arguably two of your three best players um they're probably being matoma or stupinian depending on you know your own bias but um point being that's a big loss and there probably would be a return to some sort of i don't want to call it an average but at least a baseline right i do not think that brighton squad necessarily got better during the summer i do however think that they can reach the same levels of last year based on the squad that they have that doesn't necessarily mean that their team and the, the squad that they have is just superior this season versus last season. So it's a, it's a fair point. 
Yeah. Um, and I know last season we saw that they, they really outperformed their XG as well in terms of like goal exactly. scoring. Too. Yeah. Um, but right now they're still outperforming it. But the way this works, they like at some point it will come back and, and it'll be a bit more even. Um, and so it's so interesting to see how like how that those like little things kind of factor into. Um, but yeah, look, they're still a very good team. I think they're still like around like fifth or something in expected goals and um, but a lot lower in terms of expected goals allowed. But this is still a really good team, I think. And the way they play is just really beautiful to watch. <laughs> so, so, so look, if we're talking about a team that comes back down to earth and that down to earth is not a, a a like sneaky top four contender like that i think i think that's okay but um it is something to keep watching because I, I i do think that there are just early signs of that that defensively they're going to be worse and and that could that's could throw off the balance of it agreed well last thing in england rion um luton town have won a game they're the first of the promoted sides to actually get three points in the league um do you by a chance know what the record of the promoted sides are so far after five match days? I believe it's five match days. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, se- seven now. Yeah. Se- yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking in Spain, actually. Hopefully. Yeah, never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, I do know the, the combined record of the promoted sides are now one win, three draws, and 15 losses. Uh, oh, so, goodness. So huge to Like, good, good for them. Um. Yeah, I, I still think that bottom, I still think those are probably three worst teams, but they're not quite alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm bored, bored with them. Yeah, they lost 4 0 to Arsenal over the weekend, and they've not, yeah, they, they barely, they were in the relegation zone a lot of last season, and it looks like they're going to be still around that this season. So, um, no, hats off to, to Luton. Like, they get in, get in the first win for any of the promoted sides. It's a big, um, and a big game tough. where, yeah, again, I, I hate to eat Harvey Auto with Everton, but like they they registered over like two XG, and I think Lude were under one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and, and the two goals they gave up were set pieces. Like it's they're a bit cursed right now. I honestly a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say right now, but yeah, they are a bit cursed. Um, so anyway, with that, I'll just congratulate you on winning a game this calendar season. Um, I mean, by you, I mean your team, of course. Um, congratulations. Oh, nice. The statistics yeah. have actually flipped into your favor. Uh, <laughs> the, maybe this is a, a sign of the times changing. But anyway, with that, Rian, let's take a quick break, and then we can move on to Spain. Got a lot to cover there. And uh, I don't have to hear about Everton for at least two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Rian's not even ready. He's looking off somewhere into the distance. Probably got one of his two cats. Um, yeah, that was yeah. crawling yeah, over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, same one, same one. He's now yeah. sitting on my lap. Yeah, I'm extremely jealous. Um, God, yeah, I'm very jealous. <laughs> anyway, I need to get down. Um, Rian, let's talk about La Liga. We have not, like I said at the beginning, recorded all too much in the last week and a half or so. Uh, we've missed the Madrid derby. We've missed Girona being top of the league. We've missed Take Kubo twerking um, to celebrate a goal. <laughs> Um, and we missed a pretty 
fun slash funny, just best Darby moment between Bilbao and uh, Real Sociedad, which I'll, I'll mention at the end. So, Rian, let's start with the Madrid Darby. Um, Atletico starting very, very hot after, I would argue, a pretty bad loss to Valencia. Um, and then a horrendous, calamitous draw at the end of the um, Lazio game <laughs> after being after conceding a goal to a goalkeeper. They've really turned things around. Um, Atletico, for the first time, I believe, since February of 2015, had a two-goal advantage uh, under 20 minutes in a, in a La Liga game against Real Madrid, which is no easy feat. It's their largest win against Real Madrid since 2014-15, and it's only their second win since 2016. So this is pretty significant, right? This is an Atletico team that I think did have some expectation of performing well in the league, but not the same as last year, you know, coming off of the, the back of the year, which they won the league. Um, that th- this year was a different type of expectation. I, I want to start by just talking a little bit about Real Madrid in this case, because all three of Atletico's goals seemingly came from like the same position. It was a cross <laughs> from the left-hand side and then headed on by either Morata or Griezmann. It felt like that was just the case th- re- repeatedly. And then we saw again today, at least again, I'm talking today because we're recording on a Tuesday against Napoli. Um, again, crosses were an issue for Real Madrid once again. I just want to get your thoughts on what you think might be the case because I, I have my own theory, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Well, yes, the cross crosses are the issue for sure. Um, there might be another little issue there. The the, the uh the little guy in, in goal, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> that he might be um, a bit of a contributing factor to these. A little bit. Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it... I, I feel I, 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 Yeah, you do? <laughs> I, I don't know if I do. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, you're. I'm not, you're... Sure. I'm not quite sure I do, but um, <laughs> tell me how you oh. really feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, like, uh, look. All this to be said, Madrid are still uh, on top of the table, correct? Yep. Um. <laughs> oh, again, but you know, maybe I think like between that game and uh, and the game against Napoli today, where again they won, they won again. But um, I guess it's how many times is is Bellingham <laughs> gonna bail them out of uh, of like these types of games, and maybe that's is just Real Madrid. That's just Real Madrid in general. In a nutshell, honestly. yeah. <laughs> like, like, realistically, yeah. Um, but I, I do think that's probably that's probably gonna be the biggest difference for for Madrid this season, along with Militao. Like, I mean, losing their best center back is is obviously gonna be a, a huge loss as well. Um, it's, it's amazing that, that from at least like in attack, like they have not really skipped the, haven't quite skipped the beat. Right. Um, and that's where it's going to just be so much more pressure on their back line, especially with Kepa in goal. Like they just, you don't have that like tower in goal anymore. That's that really like in Courtois, like really just the amount of games he saved for them and 
the amount of results, I should say, he saved for them. Um, that feels like that's going to be the biggest difference. If if Madrid are worse than last season, if they are not able, if they are again not able to to win the league, um, or I, I don't see them getting quite as embarrassed as they did in the in the Champions League last season. But yeah, if they play City again, then potentially, right? But but um, no, I do think that just like from from an overall standpoint, like they're worse in defense and at goalkeeper, and that's we're just gonna see how much that uh, actually is a deterring factor of how good their attack and midfield has been. One hundred percent. Yeah, completely agreed. And I, I just want to touch on the Militao thing because I think that's really the 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 biggest differentiator. I like the Kepa thing, yes, but um, Militao also kind of offers that presence of security um, when it comes to those those crosses. Kepa does not, whereas Courtois certainly has. I'll just say this: when Courtois first came to Real Madrid, and you might remember this too, he had a pretty rocky start to his Real Madrid career, and those some of those things that we're seeing from Kepa were part of the problem. Um, when he comes back, you know, hopefully from his ACL injury, potentially before the end of the season, but who knows? Likely not. Um, you you'd hope that that security comes back for Real Madrid. I don't, but you know, the general universal you might. Um, but yeah, the, the the whole thing about their attacking style just not suffering in any way is ridiculous. Like if quite frankly, it is absolutely outrageous. It is disgusting. Um, and I think a big part of that is because Ancelotti has started to figure out a method that works for him with his midfield diamond and his left pack position. What I mean by that is think about how Real Madrid played today against Napoli. They had Vinicius and Rodrigo basically occupying half spaces. There were no wide players, no one occupying those areas. And you have arguably too many midfielders if you're Real Madrid. So Ancelotti has created this diamond midfield of Chouameni, Tony Kroos, uh, Jude Bellingham, and... Um, I, in Fede Valverde, in, in today's case, but the the fix there, I guess, is that Fran Garcia, or, uh, yeah, Fran Garcia for uh, in their left back position has just not played very well after having a wonderful season on loan last year. So Camavinga gets to play there. So now all of a sudden you're playing with five midfielders effectively, not in the midfield roles, but you are putting out so much attacking prowess onto the field, and you are effectively overloading these central areas, and that is all Real Madrid have done this season. Like, that is all they've done. And Bellingham has been an immense part of that, an immense part of that. Like, there's a commentary today where one of the commentators said, Bellingham was putting up Ronaldo-esque numbers. And he's actually right. He is. Like, he scored something like seven or eight goals already. And it's the beginning of October. It's the beginning of October. This He's going to have 20-plus goals on the season at this rate. And he's... Is he a center forward? No, he's like the definition of a of a nine and a half. That's what I would call him. But it, that's stupid. So the fact, point being, the fact that Atletico beat Real Madrid this past weekend or in the Madrid derby was unexpected in my opinion. So I'll leave it at that. And it's probably the only game that Bellingham kind of looked a little out of his depth, um, just based on the fact that Atletico were bullying. <laughs> so. <laughs> And look, he'll he'll adjust to that. He'll I'm you've got probably no worries about how no. he'll develop. <laughs> you 